Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto home life business. Whatever your insurance need may be. Check it out. They'll make sure that you save money and they make sure you're fully insured. I mean, two big parts. They'll update the, I mean, you want to go with the best, the pros, pros, and insurance. They also, have, by the way, happen to be great people. They're great people. All at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we are in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Wow. You talk about great. Great new lines. And then, on top of that, great pre-owned inventory. They're fabulous. With that Sunbury Motors guarantee. And it's all at our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play by play call of the day. He admits that. He doesn't know all of his teammates, but they now know him because he kicked them to the, sort of, the AFC South Championship. Right hash, 37 yards to win it. Snap, set, Slovens kick is up. His kick hits the upright and goes through. Yes, it's yes, good! yes, yes, yes. Great job, Sloman. Bank shot for Sloman. Yep. <laughs> they may not know him. They do now. You want it for him. There you go. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to do a little PFF. All right. Seth Gason joins us from Pro Football Focus. Let's run down some grades. Happy New Year, my man. Great to have you back with us. I'm great. How are you guys? I have a question for you guys before we start. Yeah, please. About Penn State. Yes, sir. Is this is this year and whatever happened this year, record wise, um, an aberration, most likely, or a start of a downward spiral? I believe I, I've I felt the entire time that across the board in the country, it's an aberration for everybody. Uh, which uh, I, yeah, I'm on the same. I, I agree. 100%. Which I, I think so. I think this is one of those. I, I I don't draw too many conclusions 
from this year about any team, except maybe Alabama. <laughs> I, I, I actually think that no matter what year we would have been in, they would have been this good. So, <laughs> But I think for everybody across the board, Lynn Woods, you see, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, let's take Ohio State. Justin Fields did struggle against Indiana, and he did struggle against Northwestern. He really only struggled in one game a year ago, and that one he bailed himself out with his legs, and that was the Penn State game in Columbus. So I look even with him because of the sporadic nature of the season. Um, I think it's an aberration for everybody. I, I agree, especially with Penn State being an aberration, but then I look at Michigan on the other side of things, and I'm like, ah, maybe this was the beginning of the end, even okay. though they just extended him. Right. Okay. okay, let me bring up something about Michigan for a moment. I'm not saying, okay, record-wise, I think it's an aberration, although I'm watching the tape, Seth, getting ready to broadcast the game, and I'm looking at it, it's like, boy, you know, the last time I looked, for example, at their defense and said, wow, the talent doesn't quite seem to me to be there, it was 2009. And Penn State went in there in 2009. They had one player, and I remember saying my broadcast partner is Jack Hamp, going into the game, I said to Jack, the one guy I look over at Michigan's defense, I go, that's a big-time player, is Brandon Graham. Right? Turned out to be right. Right. But I said, nobody else. And Penn State easily won that game. They won it like 35-10, to and Michigan scored in the opening drive of the game. Uh, I think one thing that people have got to understand about Michigan, to me, Michigan basketball, Michigan football, and Indiana basketball, to me, are the same, Seth. And here's where they're the same. Big, traditional names that haven't done a lot in the last 15 or 16 years. They've won games, but like what like what big games have they won? Uh, there might be like a citrus bowl in there for, for Michigan, maybe right. even not that. Right, I mean, just have it. In other words, they've racked up some wins, but like what sig- signature wins have they had? We'd sat back and went, whoa. Neither Indiana, well, Indiana basketball and, and Michigan football, big names that haven't produced a lot in 15 years. And I think with Michigan, whenever they do have that big win, and like, you know, you just look at them against Ohio State, I mean, it hasn't happened since, what, 2011? Right. But when they had that win, well, nothing came of it. Right. So when they had that win, did they end up winning the the, the in in down in Florida against Florida State in the bowl game? It was a bit, I remember no, it being a didn't. really close game. No, they did. But anyways, they, it, there was momentum after that game. I, there's no follow up. There's right. no follow up. Yeah. So that's what scares me about Michigan. And well, so I guess uh, yeah. No, no. I I think it's a great question you asked, and I just think it's an aberration for everybody, and that especially includes so what we're talking about with Penn State. Uh, all right, so. Alabama's going to play Ohio State. I know we talked a lot about the quarterbacks the last time you were on, but I want to ask you about a guy that may be on path to being the Heisman Trophy winner. You know where I'm going with this, and that is Devontae Smith. Uh, how much of what we see of Devontae Smith is a product of what Alabama does, and how much is what Devontae Smith does a, a domino that makes everything else better for them? I want to believe that that it's the it's the second thing you said, like the domino that makes everything better. Yeah. Because he is an otherworldly talent at receiver. The fact that he does all this from different positions. You know, when you look at you know, 
in 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 about a week, and we've already, some people have already started, but in about a week, we're going to get a lot of Chase versus Smith comparisons, right? Because mm-hmm. those are going to be the two most likely the two highest drafted receivers. Right. The interesting thing is the deployment of those two guys, because. Chase was lined up at the X receiver spot the whole right. year for 2019. They, they, they never changed. They never changed. Never changed. That. You have 50, maybe 50 snaps in the slot for Chase, and he, you know, according to the PFF grades, he graded very well mm-hmm. in those in, in the, on those snaps. But you're talking about a guy who's going to line up as your boundary single side receiver for you know in a, in a 2019 season, like 90 percent of the time. With Alabama, and I think it's one of the interesting things that they do on offense is they do move people around. Now, you are going to get the same backside RPO slant glance post route that Chase ran, that Smith is going to run. He's probably going to catch one, maybe catch one for a long touchdown against Ohio State. But so you do have some similarities there. But I think the interesting thing is that he moves around. He's a punt returner. he does. He's so well rounded. The speed is off the charts. The catching ability is off the charts. Uh, so yeah, I'm a big fan of him. I think he 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 helps them do a lot of things that they wouldn't be able to do. And I and I do think a lot of that is the ability to move him around um, to different spots on the field. There's another part too. I mean, it's a tiny part, but it just tells me about the attitude part of it. He's on punt coverage too. Yeah. Right. He's on punt coverage. Um. And I, I remember with Zeke Elliott, Zeke Elliott was on kickoff coverage for Ohio State. And Urban Meyer said, when you have a guy like that that plays that hard on kick cover, it's a message to everybody else. I think Devontae Smith, it's a message to everybody else. Hey, yeah. look, I'll do it. My, my example of that uh, as an LSU fan is Jarvis Landry. Yes. The guy played special teams forever at LSU and, mm-hmm. and dominated on special teams. Yep. Because like you said, you got there's special teams you got to have a mentality cuz it's not it's hard to be like extrinsic externally motivated yes. by playing on special That's teams. That's my point. Right? Yep. So to to be that guy and to say, yeah, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to make a tackle and I'm going to set a wall and I'm going to do all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that it, yeah, it's more of that like intangible type of thing, but I do think it it uh, it bodes well for Smith uh, in his future. Najee Harris a year ago, Seth probably would have been a good NFL pick, um, but he he would have been a second day guy and maybe even a late second day guy. What has he done for his stock base, and what what's his PF? Now, look, him hurtling the Notre Dame guy, no offense. Do you know many of those I called in my career with Barkley? Right? They, <laughs> okay, they made it sound like it was the second coming. Where I'm like going, okay, I saw that like how many times in a season? Uh, but still, it was great to see, though, <laughs> the Notre Dame yeah. guy. I got him. No, you don't. What do you think of Harris? I think – the most underrated part of the team, and you know what? When you get in, when we get into draft season, there's nothing underrated anymore because everyone, you know, digs right. up everything on these kids. <laughs> but right. so, but I'll still stick to this to my sentence here. The most underrated things, and, and the thing that that I think translates so well is his catching ability. They run him on wheel routes all the time. They yeah. run on you know check check the ball, uh, you know check downs over the ball that type of thing. And he's his hands are great. He's great after the catch. He's all that stuff. You know the the running back stuff is all uh, we know that's great yeah um but obviously we also know that in the nfl you have to be able to 
to to catch the ball out of backfield to pass protect. So I think he's such a well-rounded uh, player. Does he go in the first round? I don't know because who knows how running backs are thought of on a right. year-to-year basis. Exactly. But uh, but I'm okay with saying that you know him. Uh, you know, if you want to make him your RB one going to the draft, fine. That's great. Like uh, you know, I mean, you can put Travis Itch in there too if you want. I mean, whatever you want. Like he is up there, top three, top five, top one, whatever you want. He's a great. He's a great player. I'm going to turn the page to Ohio State for a moment. Chris Olave, because we talked about Justin Fields the last time we were on. Chris Olave did not play in the Big Ten championship game. Obviously, he you know I've seen him play a couple of times now against Penn State, and he made a couple really great plays in the in the Penn State game. What do you think of Olave as a receiver? We just talked about Devontae Smith. What about Olave? Yeah, I think he's he's interesting because again, you have a guy who has moved around a little bit. Um, one of the interesting things that I looked at um, before, I don't know if we talked about it, but before the game, they had never used either him or Garrett Wilson as that isolated receiver. Right. And now they come into the Clemson game and they put them both in there about half the time when there is an isolated receiver. So I think showing off some more diversity will be good. You know, if they do it in this game, in the, in the Clemson game and they do it in the Alabama game, I think that'll be good for him for people to see that he can play a bunch of different positions and he's not just either a field receiver or a slot back, which is where they normally use him. So I think that, and I think he's just a great receiver. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the numbers speak for themselves. He's been great for a whole bunch of years there. I, I kind of think Wilson is, is the guy, though, going forward. I think he's he could be a top five top 10 pick in the draft whenever he comes out. But yeah, Olava, you know, you look at last year, what happened in the draft when you had this run on receivers kind of late in the first round. That's right. I Waddle, Pitts, you know, we're putting pass catchers together. Waddle, Pitts, uh, Chase, and, um, Smith. and Devonta Smith yep. probably go all top 15, I would say. But then mm-hmm. you're going to get a glut of receivers again, most likely in that 20 to 30 or 20 to 40 range and I think for sure um, Olav will be one of those I think probably the, one of the earlier guys in the, in that range and uh, yeah I'm, I'm a huge fan of him uh, The trenches are always going to make a big difference in a game like this uh, Ohio State is not going to Ohio State will bring to the table some really good college players up front Tommy Togi is a good player Garrett Haskell's a good player uh, Tyreek Smith is a good player. I mean, they're, they're all really good college players. But there's not a signature Chase Young, a Bosa. You know, I don't know. Name your Bosa. Uh, <laughs> as to who it is. When you look at the Alabama offensive line, right? when you look at them, we've talked about the skill guys. But up front, what do they do as a unit that makes life easier where Steve Sarkeesian can get the Texas job? <laughs> Well, I think they they give, you know, one of the things that we're realizing about football is, especially with these big programs, and I think Lincoln Riley really started this. It's like, I can go with, I can bring in some heavy personnel. I can run these hard play actions, and I can give my quarterback time to find receivers that are coming from one side of the field deep to the opposite sideline. And that's what you see with that the the Alabama offensive line does for this team and it gives them so much time Mac Jones so much time in the pocket and then you add in his accuracy 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I don't, I, I'm still not even sure if he's an NFL prospect. I just think he will go in the first round, but I, I, who knows about him? Well, but he, he is very he, accurate. He, he and Kyle Trask, to me, are in the same category. I'm not sure about either one of them but on the next level. I don't mean this level, the next level. Yeah, exactly, right? But I think with Mac Jones is that he is very accurate. He showed that off the whole year, even, uh, you know, parts, uh, you know, when he came in last year for Tua. And, yeah, that offensive line helps you be able to get that, those plays down. It's tough to cover for that long. Yeah. It's tough to be in zone defense. And, you know, you, you know, the house is going to play a lot of cover three. It's tough to be in cover three. And then you, you want your cornerback is run off all the way across the field. And then you got a receiver, Devonta Smith, coming across the field from the opposite side into that space that's vacated because you have time to do it. Yeah. So I think that's an important thing. Now, you talk about the Ohio State D-line. They played their best game of the year no the last time out. No question. If you get a game like that from them, you never know. <laughs> like You never know. I, I agree with you. I think you would still favor the Alabama offensive line as a, as a yeah. whole. But if you got a game like 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 you got out of them uh, against Clemson, uh, could be in for a good game. I mean, because that, that essentially – the game that they played up front defensively, talking about the front against Clemson, mirrored somewhat what I saw here against Penn State. The ends crashing down, Cooper, Smith, Togiai had a big game here back uh, back in October, and I thought Togiai played really well the other night. I mean, I thought their I thought their defensive front played a terrific game the other night against Clemson where they did something I didn't think you could do. They made the Clemson running game and they made the Clemson offensive line look ordinary. Yeah, and I think that was such a big part of what the what, what they would want them to game, or at least tap down the Clemson offense, even though they scored like 28 points. But, you know, we remember last year, and they could not stop the QB run stuff, or, right. or, or even Travis H. Chain, or anything a part of that. Now, one of the things is, like, if you get a team that's going to play a lot of quarterback run stuff, it, it's such a weird thing to say, but you don't necessarily want to be in a one-high safety defense where you have the second safety, or in in in, in Ohio State's case with the amount of Sam linebacker that played base defense, you don't necessarily want that because you don't know. You kind of want to you kind of want to play with two safeties, and now you have a free guy to wherever the whichever side the ball is going. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. even though you have even though you have a loaded box by playing with one high safety, right. you can you can. The offense can find ways with that extra ball carrier being the quarterback to do to to deal with you. And I thought that Clemson had some good schemes in that game. That you know, if you think about the the fumble, and I forget who 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 um, who uh, ripped it out of Lawrence's hands, but pretty much ended the game. They had a good scheme. You know, they, you know, you you bubble out Travis Etienne. Yep. The the he reads the linebacker. The linebacker flies outside, and now you have you know your quarterback counter back inside, and now you have numbers advantage. Well, guess what? Numbers advantage don't matter if the nose tackle is in the in the backfield five yards. Yeah. And that was, so I think yeah. that's what happens. So I think that again, going back to the game versus uh, uh, game versus Alabama, it's like well, if you can get those, that penetration once in a while, um, then you might be okay. Now with that said, if you're going to play one high defense like Ohio State's going to do, Yep, you're going to have problems on the outside against that team. <laughs> that is, that might be a problem. I think I'm pretty sure it's going to be a problem. Yeah. I know you have to go. Really appreciate it. Happy New Year to you. Thanks so much. I always enjoy the conversation very much. Thank you. Happy New Year to you too.
For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to PurdyInsurance.com. Auto Home Life Business. They do not have suit insurance. But that does fall into the category of life. No? (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. My life's in danger. I I work with the suit. Now, it's expensive, but worth it. (laughs) All right. And uh, they'll save you money wherever they can. There's just no getting around it. Because you want to save money. People are trying to save money more than ever right now. Purdy Insurance goes the extra mile to do it. It is all about making sure you're insured and getting it at the best price. You're talking about Purdy Insurance. These are great pros. They're just great people. They care. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Summer. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great, great, uh, great stuff with them. Great new inventory. And... Let's face it, uh, the best in pre-owned inventory. I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, not sure when I'm going to be in in line for a new car. Could be even this year, but I know where I'm going. Sunbury Motors, Horse Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 to 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. So... Alabama, Ohio State. That'll be the championship game. Look, Ohio, the bottom line is Ohio. We're going to talk tomorrow to uh, Bill Rabinowitz from the Columbus Dispatch uh, on the show. And the, uh, yeah. They're going to have to score 40 to minimum. They have to score at least 40 to win. Ohio State's defense is two levels above Florida. Florida does not have a very good defensive team. Florida has a very good offensive team, passing-wise. Passing-wise. But I think Justin Fields is better than Trask. I think Wilson and especially Olave... Although Wilson's really good. I think Wilson and Olave are both better than 
the receivers at Florida. Now, Pitts, the tight end, is better than the tight ends that Ohio State has, although Ohio State effectively used them in the victory over Clemson. And Trey Sermon, and we'll see what happens with Master Teague. Trey Sermon is a really good running back. He's better, and the running game for Ohio State is better than Florida's. Why do I bring up Florida? Florida put up 46 on these guys. 46. And still didn't win. You're going to have to put up at least 40. You're going to have to put up at least 40. To win this game against Alabama. And the question is going to be whether Ohio State has enough defense to slow this team down. I think Notre Dame's a really good defensive team, and he felt like Alabama was toying with them all day. Yeah, Notre Dame came up with a few stops. They did. But you felt like they were toying with them all day. They scored 35. Alabama did. But again, I still feel in this game, you got to. And this is the way the game has become. The game has become, and I've mentioned this many times, but I will now uh, I'll explain in a second. I've talked about this many times, but I don't want to bring it up now. I've mentioned many times that if you're hiring a defensive coordinator at any school across the country, and when you are sitting there as a defensive coordinator and you're hired by somebody, one of the first things I think that that head coach wants, can you get me one more stop each half? Can you get me one more stop in each half? Because the game is so wide open now on the college level. I mean, even in the NFL, yesterday was a record number of touchdowns. for the day in the last 12 years in the NFL. Well, in the college level, that's the way it is. Can you get me, find me another stop somewhere? That's why on my chart, I put on my chart a few years ago that uh, a stat that I keep called stop rate. In other words, drives that end without points. Now, Penn State this year, I'll give you an example this year. Penn State, the stop rate in the first half was only 58%. That's why they kept falling behind in games. You know, you know it's a combination of you not scoring, but also you have to stop the other guy. But Penn State in the second half was 76%. Now, that's a winning number. And that's why I keep it for every team now. What is your stop rate? Drives the end without points. And that has become, because of the nature of college football, some of them are high-paced offenses. But people are putting up points. And because they're putting up points... To me, the key stats defensively are points per game allowed and stop rate. How many? What's the percentage of drives that end with no points? 
If you can have both your first half and your second half over 70%, now you are putting yourself in a position where offensively you take a lot of pressure off your offense. Very important. And that's the way the game is today. And that's going to be the key for Ohio State. Can Ohio State get enough stops in this game to then make a payoff for their offense? Because the Ohio State offense will be able to score in Alabama. They will be. Alabama's defense this year is good. In fact, Alabama's defense this season is good to very good. It's not great. It is good to very good, but it is not great this year. Ohio State will be able to move the ball. Ohio State will be able to throw the ball. And with Fields' mobility, he'll be able to buy some time. So that part, I think the Ohio, Ohio State can handle. The question is, can Ohio State's defense handle Alabama? Smith will probably win the Heisman Trophy tomorrow night. Be the first receiver since Desmond Howard in 91 to win it. But that is... To me, one of the keys going in. The NFL playoffs, I think Buffalo's the best team going in. Green Bay looked great again yesterday. Uh, The Bears finally decided later in the game to try and take some shots downfield. That was fun. At one point, Mitchell Trubisky was 14-17 passing and averaging 5.3 yards of completion. Oh, brutal. I haven't seen that kind of quarterback play since Nate Sudfeld. Oh, I'm sorry. Feel like I hit a <laughs> feel like feel like I hit a nerve there. Hey, at least Nate. At least he was able to take the snap. Nate Sudfeld couldn't even do that last night. Well, that was not a good snap, by the way. Don't 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 pretend Kelsey didn't. I mean, Kelsey is awesome. He is a not a good Kelsey's not a good player. He's a great player. But even great players have bad. That, that's that snap snuck. <laughs> you know it. Okay. Now, should he control it? Yeah. But it wasn't at his waist. Just fall on it. That's all you need to do. Just fall on it. All the answers are so easy for you. I've noticed that. Yeah, even when it comes to parenting, you used to question everything I did with my kids. Now you got your kid. I don't hear hear you questioning much anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Wait until you got a potty train, dude. Oh, yeah. That's a very, very valid point. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding with you. You turned one, you turned one, by the way, on Friday. So, sent me a picture with the cake and the whole thing. Didn't look to me like he was eating all that cake by himself. Oh yeah, just, he knew what to do with it. <laughs> yeah, but didn't look like he was eating all of it. <laughs> all right, uh, the broadcasts. From the Alamo Bowl to the end, one terrific broadcast after another by ESPN. You want to know what they all had in common? The announcers were there. They weren't doing it from their den. You notice that? They were all in the booth. I'm watching the Alamo Bowl. Texas is playing Colorado. Colorado makes a play. Mike Golick, in his last broadcast at ESPN, by the way, says 76 was holding. 
Now, how do you think the analyst saw that? Because he was there. You could see it. It's amazing how all the broad, except for Herb Street, Kirk could not, for obvious reasons, not do that. He couldn't do that game. Uh, he had to do it from Nashville. And he did, by the way, a heck of a job from Nashville. Yeah, I was about to say, that was a really solid broadcast considering he wasn't there. Right. But there was one point, did you notice at one point, it was in the second half where Chris Fowler said, I realize that you can't see it from where you're sitting. I, I, like, I missed that, but... Yeah. yeah. No, but it was something had happened and, and, and Chris jumped in and said, yeah, again, the value of being there is unbelievable what it means to the listener and to the viewer. It's unbelievable what it means. The uh, I told you about the Duke's Mayo thing the other day. Let's go down to Marty on the... No, let's tell a story. So Taylor Zazer starts telling a story. You know, yeah, Grew up someplace that was bad, had a life that was bad, whatever it was, okay? I, they, and right in the middle of it, interception. Well, okay, interception. Like, ah, oh, jeez. Then let's go down to Marty Smith on the sideline. Marty's two sentences in, interception. I was like, will you guys just do the game? Just do the game. I tuned in for the game. It's not Marty's fault. It's not Marty's fault. Okay, whomever's producing said, okay, let's go down to Marty on the side. Somebody said, let's go down to Marty. Okay, so was, you know, somebody else is in charge of timing. Then they went down, and Marty was actually doing legit news. He was talking about how Tony Elliott, the OC for Clemson, tested positive. And he's a sentence and a half in, interception. I was like, oh. Now, I realize Wake makes it difficult because Wake runs between 90 and 100 plays in a game. They're trying to get a snap every 21, 22 seconds. I understand that. But you've got to account for that. And it's just, I finally turned the game off. It says, if you're not going to do the game, I don't want to watch the game. Everybody else, you know, now let's get to the next part. Group of five. Everybody, the little guy, the little guy, the little guy. And every time I look, I'm watching the Georgia-Cincinnati game, I'm looking at that graphic of all the little guy wins in New Year's Six games. Okay, did you really read the graphic? Did you really read it? Get a chance to read the graphic. Is there a nice, nice list there? Did you read it? Did you see what was missing? What was missing is that in 2016, 2018, 2019, and 2020, guess who didn't win the game? The group of five team. Western Michigan in the Cotton Bowl was not very competitive with Wisconsin. Then UCF, of course, won over Auburn. But then LSU tore apart at UCF the next year. Tore them apart. Penn State, I keep going back to last year, like the big difference. Okay? Penn State won by 14 points. Now, was it a fun game to watch? Yeah, but you know what? When you really look at the game, one team scored seven touchdowns. The other one scored three. And I made that point in the postgame show. I quoted Joe. It says, Joe Paterno always said, 
it takes three field goals to beat a touchdown. And those field goals by Patterson in that game were all long field goals. He was great. He kicked six of them. But they were all long field goals. These weren't like, hey, okay, it's a 20-yard chip shot. Oh, they held him in the red zone again. No, they were like, they were moving the ball between the 25s. But, you know, but no closer. As soon as the field shortened up, right, Penn State was not a little better. They were a lot better than Memphis. Now, Cincinnati could have won the game on Friday. But in the second half, they got clamped down on. Now, I want to give Luke Fickle credit. I thought the fake punt was a great call that got him a first down. That was bold. But you could just tell the entire second half, Cincinnati's hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, hanging on. And you've got to hear about the group of five thing every year. Well, you know what? You've got to start winning some of the darn things. You've lost four of the last five and three in a row. And the team you're facing is not that motivated to play you. I mean, they aren't. Again, if you schedule UCF, Memphis, and Cincinnati and Western Michigan, how mad are Penn State fans about your non-conference schedule? I mean, Cincinnati played Ohio State last year. You know what the final score was? 70-5. to And Cincinnati led that game 5-0. And remember... Every time you play in one of these games, it is the best of the of the group of five. The best against a team that is not its conference champion. Against the team that probably did not play in their conference championship game. Penn State didn't play in its conference championship game. Um, let's see. And Georgia did not. Now, the year before... No, LSU did not. Auburn beat, uh, excuse me, uh, Auburn lost to UCF. Auburn was in the conference championship game, and obviously Wisconsin was in the conference championship game. The last three times have been teams that didn't even win their division and still beat them. Didn't even win their division and still beat the group of five. The best the group of five has to offer. The best. And Mike Oresco's got a real problem as the commissioner of the American today. He's been going about group of six, group of six, group of six. They just went through the bowl season, one and five. One and five. Now, that's still better than the ACC. You know what the ACC record was, Matt? I think it's a giant goose egg, isn't it? It's 0-6. Back with more brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Waddle working his way back. It seems like he might be available for the national championship game in 11 days. Hurdling is Harris. And now running down the sideline. And he's chopped out of bounds deep in Irish territory. That's a man of 6'2", 230, who went up and over Nick McLeod. That's just unbelievable. <laughs> and you know how many times I saw that in my career? <laughs> From Saquon Barkley? I thought what Harris did was phenomenal. Phenomenal. But it also tells you how phenomenal it is that we've seen Saquon Barkley do that how many times? Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Now, it's been another interesting show today. It's been a day where I think it's allowed Matt to release the toxins out of his pores. We have Bill Rabinovitz uh, coming up uh, tomorrow. Bill Rabinovitz will join us from the Columbus Dispatch on Ohio State football tomorrow, 435. Reuben Frank will back up everything Matt feels at 406 on Wednesday. Bucknell basketball coach Nathan Davis, Thursday, 335. And Bill Hillgrove on Friday at 335 on the Steeler playoff game against Cleveland. So, there we go. But I feel it's it's been important therapy for you. I feel like Always we've, been able to, we've been able to release your pores opened up and the toxins <laughs> were released today. Right? Yes. On this side of your face, everything about Jeffrey Lurie. On your forehead, everything about Howie Roseman. <laughs> On this side of your face, everything about Doug Peterson. When it was all done... Not every pour was completely cleared, but there's a sense of relief. Exactly right. This has been a very hard season for you. Yeah, it has. Me, on the other hand, I've just kind of floated game to game. (laughs) Tomorrow, our guest will be Nate Sudfeld. (laughs) 